You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Troubling times lay ahead for the people of Judah. Israel had been captured by Assyria, and Nahum had spoken words of doom for the Assyrians in their capital city of Nineveh. A new power was rising, the Babylonians. While Nahum was in Nineveh proclaiming her doom, Zephaniah spoke the word of God to King Josiah in Judah. A spiritual revival swept through the land and God's people returned to the faith for a time. But when King Josiah died, the revival came to an end. Later, the Babylonians destroyed the Assyrians. Shortly after Nahum and Zephaniah's ministries came to an end, a new prophet, Habakkuk, was called forth to speak hope and faith to the last kings of Judah before their captivity under the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar began. Good. Well, I'm Mark. I'm the director of outreach here on campus. And if you haven't been regular the last few weeks, um, you may not know that we're in a series called Little Books with a Big Punch. And we're looking at several of the minor prophets and find out that they have a major message for us. So leading into Habakkuk, um, we're going to be talking a lot about questions. And this week, I was thinking about a lot of questions that we should all be asking that it seems to me anyway that no one is. So let's take a look at a few. The first is, why do we drive on a parkway and we park on a driveway? Can anyone explain this to me? All right, the next one that I I was pondering is, why do we say an alarm clock is going off when actually it's going on? Is no one thinking of these things as well? Okay, I'm pondering this stuff. Next one that I was thinking, if a parsley farmer is sued, can they garnish his wages? (laughs) I think these are important things to process, right? We've got to be asking questions, and, and intuitive people uh, exceeds. Why do we have movies where people sing dialogue? Nobody does that. Now, if you're fans of musicals, I'm sorry, I don't mean to step on toes, but it makes no sense to me. Why are people singing in conversation to each other? Question that I asked this week. Okay, now, can you tell who that is? Anybody re- recognize? Take a guess. That's yours truly, 1989, yeah. So the question that prompted... <laughs> Me from that is, why did we as a society ever think that mullets, or bell-bottoms for that matter, were a good idea? Who thought that was okay? But yet we just, without question, entered into these customs. And what were we thinking? But in all seriousness, those are silly questions, but in all seriousness, there are questions that every one of us should be asking. The big why questions. The why questions of life. Why are we here? What does is, what is our life really matter? Is there life after death? Why do some prayers seem to go unanswered? What's up with evil and suffering? If God is all good and all powerful, how do we reconcile those two things to each other? In our contemporary time, what's up with all these denominations? I hear a lot of people outside the church ask that question. These questions that are, we are hardwired to ask, but yet life comes at us, things get busy, we start doing tasks, We get distracted by technology and entertainment, and weeks, months, maybe years go by that we don't ask questions. 
They aren't processing through questions. And when it comes to our faith, I didn't grow up in the church. I was a latecomer about 10 years ago. But I just felt like when I spoke to Christian friends and and now that I've become a Christian, when I hear about people who grew up in certain religious environments, the idea of asking questions, the idea of coming to God with this angst and this heart cry about what is going on in the world, I felt like most Christians would, would just restrain from doing that. They would hesitate to do that, that the culture of a church and of Christian families were that, well, you just have faith. Well, God's ways are higher than our ways. Well, everything happens for a reason. You ever heard those sayings? Somebody's trying to process through something. Somebody's asking a hard question, a legitimately difficult question, and we give pat answers and quote scriptures out of context. And I wonder if when we enter into those difficult seasons of life, we might be short-circuited by not having learned what it means to question the things around us and to bring those questions to the only one who really has the answers, and that's God. You see, Habakkuk would not have done very well in one of those church cultures where you can't ask questions. Habakkuk was a prophet on the scene, and unlike the other prophets that we've been looking at that just bring the, thus saith the Lord, right? You've heard, thus saith the Lord, and the prophet speaks the words of God. Habakkuk, we see a dialogue. In Habakkuk, we see uh, the prophet and God in this wrestling match with each other. And it's a picture of God inviting and being okay with Habakkuk's questions about what's going on in his world in that day. Habakkuk, as you saw in the bumper video, was a prophet that came along after Nahum. Nahum was speaking to the southern kingdom of Israel. It's called Judah. And he was telling them, the Assyrians aren't going to overtake you. God has, God has got your protection. And then later, more years passed by, and Habakkuk comes on the scene and has a much different story for Judah. Judah had continued to descend into far worse godlessness. And so God was going to step in. And, and it's Habakkuk that sees the scene here on, in Judah and all of the ungodliness. And his heart is going to cry out to God. And in this dialogue between Habakkuk and God, we're going to learn four things, four aspects of a conversation with God that Habakkuk had and that we can have to transform our relationship with God. Let's jump right in. Chapter 1, verse 1. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all of this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Does this sound like a time familiar to any of us. The law has become paralyzed and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. In these first four verses, Habakkuk is, he's questioning God, right? Now, before um, some of you who have been in the church a long time, you might be thinking, well, Job questioned God and that didn't go very well for him. And, and Zechariah in the birth narrative of Jesus questioned that uh, Mary could be brought to, uh, she could have Jesus through an immaculate conception, and he was given, he was mute, his voice was taken away. So what's the difference here? I would say that the difference is there is a contrast between kind of a shaking your fist at God, scoffing, sort of a questioning, but then there's completely something different 
about a heart that is wrangling and angst with God about stuff that is going on and wanting just for the redemption of people and for God's glory to be seen for answers to be given. So it's completely different. In this wondering, asking the big questions, the very first thing we have to do is be willing to just let them go. Right? A lot of, a lot of uh, counselors will talk about a process journal. You do a process journal and you're just, and you're not even thinking about what you're writing. You may not want to ever read it again. Nobody probably wants to read it afterwards, but you're just, that's what God wants. God wants you to look around, see the things that aren't the way he created them to be, and have discontent over that. There is a reality that the world is so broken that followers of Jesus are unable to just settle in and get secure, get comfortable, build our fences high enough, get in our two garages fast enough, insulate ourselves from the world except through a television screen or a device. God doesn't want that for his people. God wants his people to notice, to see a world that is hurting and lost and broken and evil and have inner angst about it. And to come to him with the questions. Craig Rochelle is a pastor and author, and he has this quote that I came by this week. There are times where questioning God could become a significant part of your faith journey. I completely believe that and agree with it. There are times where questioning God could become a key aspect of your relationship with God. So my question for you today, are you wondering, are you asking those questions? When you came through the doors to worship today, do you have something that is burdening you about your life, about the life of a loved one, about the situation in our nation, in the turmoil and the conflict across the globe? When you look out over the pain and suffering, do you have questions? Are you asking questions? Well, in a response to Habakkuk, God says, okay, well, I'm going to do something, uh, and you wouldn't believe it if somebody told you, but I'm going to have the Babylonians, the most evil empire on the planet, they're going to go ahead and take Assyria, who I've protected you from, then they're going to take you. So the loving, corrective discipline for God's people is coming through the Babylonians. What? Habakkuk's like, who? Who is going to discipline us, Lord? Here's how. Habakkuk responds in verses 12 and 13. O Lord, my God, my Holy One, you are eternal. Surely you do not plan to wipe us out. O Lord, our rock, you have seen these Babylonians, sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins. But you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? The second thing we see is that talking with God includes wrestling. We've got to expect that this dialogue, that this conversation with God is not going to be easy. Habakkuk in Hebrew actually means to embrace or to wrestle. That's the meaning of Habakkuk's name. Habakkuk understood that he's going to ask God these hard questions, these honest questions. God's going to give him a reply, and he may not like that reply. If you go through verse 17 of that chapter, you're going to see that there are eight more questions, the ones that we just heard, and then more, totaling eight more questions that Habakkuk has for God. He's wrestling God down on the mat, isn't he? He's like, God, you know, I, 
I hear you. I got your reply, but I'm not done wrestling through this yet. I really need to get to the bottom of what it is that you're doing. We need to have this conversation a little longer. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a passage in the New Testament, in the Gospels, and there's a guy with a demon-possessed child, and, and he uh, comes to Jesus, and he says, can you, you know, if you can heal him, and Jesus says, if? What do you mean, if? Anything is possible for those who believe. And the man says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Familiar with that story? I believe, but help my unbelief. When you hear Habakkuk's reply to God's reply, in verses 12 through 17, what you hear is a seeming back and forth between belief and unbelief in the same questions. That's a wrestle. That's a God, I'm, I'm having trouble understanding. I'm having trouble holding on to my faith in the midst of this. Would you help me believe? Would you help me to understand? Can we wrestle this down together? Well, in, in chapter 2, verse 1, we're going to pick up the narrative. I will climb, this is Habakkuk, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it surely will take place. It will not be delayed. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their crooked lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. So the third thing that we see in this conversation and what it looks like to talk with God is that it includes waiting. He gives the imagery of a watchtower. So waiting, when I first read through this, I thought about waiting. Well, what does that look like? Do we just kind of take a spiritual nap? Like, are we just, how do we wait to hear the voice of God? Well, the imagery he gets us here is going up on a watchtower. And if you understand that imagery, he is having to stay awake. He is having to stay alert. This is an active waiting. It's a watching out for God to bring the response to him. Well, Habakkuk would hear again from God that, yes, the Babylonians are evil, and yes, I am using them to discipline, but they will have their judgment. That they will not get away with this. God goes on through the chapter 2, and he talks about how Babylon will get their judgment. It is coming. So in my personal life, I would, I would like to share that I'm struggling with something. I'm wrestling with God about something. I'm processing through and having it out with God. And it's probably been going on between one and two weeks now. Now, I am sharing the story at this time because what happened in my conversation with God is that I stalled out. I stalled out on wrestling. I kept asking questions. I kept crying out. And I didn't stop long enough to listen for what God's response might be. I think it's possible that I didn't want to know what it would be. I'm thinking Habakkuk didn't want to know what God's answer was. I had so much inner turmoil, I was not a lot of fun to be around. I talked to one of my spiritual leaders, and I'm like, I, I just don't know what to do about this. Well, yes, I do. I need to shut up and listen to God, but I don't want to. I just want to keep wrestling. I want to ask questions, and I want to know why, and I want to complain. And, and so the spiritual leader I talked to, and then my wife, I came home um, 
one night this week, and I was just like, I probably just need to get out of here. And she's in the room today. She was, she was so gracious, and my spiritual leader said the same thing. Yes, you need to get out of here. So I went there. I went to this monastery down in Ava where they make the fruitcakes. This is the famous Assumption Abbey. And so I went for an overnight. I didn't have a lot of time. And I go down there, and I am so stubborn that I've only got this overnight, and I continue wrestling all the way to 3 o'clock in the morning and fall asleep with the Bible on my, you know, like, like this. I still haven't watched, and I still haven't waited. I wake up the next morning, and they have the seven services at the monastery. So I went, and I did two of them. I sat in this very silent, somber, reflective service, and I'm thinking, time to listen. And so I listened to God, and I was drawn back to one verse. A lot of people see the benchmark verse of Habakkuk, and I was drawn back to, and the righteousness shall live by their faithfulness to God. It's quoted multiple times in the New Testament. Romans, Galatians, Hebrews. And the righteousness shall live by their faithfulness to God. And I listened, and I, I feel, I'd never heard the audible voice of God, but I felt this strong sense that God was saying, Mark, like Habakkuk, you're looking around and your circumstances aren't great. All of the stuff that you're upset about, you're complaining about, yeah, some of that is really hard. But here's what you're not giving room for. You're not giving room for me to come through in the end You're not stopping long enough to have the conversation continue with me so that this is a relationship. You're preferring to walk by sight rather than walk by faith. So you see, you've got a bigger problem, Mark. Your problem is you let the the relationship stall out in the conversation that we were having, and you decided to hunker down in your stubbornness and your pouting and not listen and not wait, and not watch for what I'm going to do. Because he tells Habakkuk, and Habakkuk won't even see this happen in his day, but he tells Habakkuk what's going to happen. That it it is going to get harder, actually, but in the getting harder, God is going to bring redemption for his people. You heard it in the passage. And it will happen, he says. God drew me to Hebrews chapter 11, and if you know anything about Hebrews chapter 11, it's a long chapter, and, and in the In the chapter, it talks about all of the people of the Old Testament that, and by their faith. It's an unpacking of the people who lived by faith instead of by sight, and it's inspirational. And I read it as well on Wednesday. And Enoch, and Noah, and Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, by their faith, by their faith, and Samson, and Barak, and Jephthah, by their faith, by their faith. And I think of David, who wasn't considered righteousness with God, considered righteous through his works or even his words, but that he was a man after God's own heart. And so I had to ask myself, I had to ask myself a real hard question before driving back to Springfield. Was I going to live by faith? Was this preacher going to practice what he preached? And I wonder if you stall out in this part of your conversation with God and your dialogue with God. Do you stall out on just having so much frustration that you ask so many questions and that your prayers are so one-sided that you don't take enough time to listen for what God may have to say and speak into the relationship? So we're going to pick up in chapter 3, verse 1 now. This prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard 
all about you. Lord, I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of your deep, our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. I see God moving across the deserts from Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens, and the earth is filled with his praise. His coming is as brilliant as the sunshine. Rays of light flash from his hands. Where his awesome power is hidden, pestilence marches before him. Plagues follow close behind. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and the levels of the eternal hills. He is the eternal one. Do you see where Habakkuk comes to? He comes to the place where he's heard the answer from God. It's the one that he didn't want, but he's had the conversation. Come to the level and the depth of trust. And as we know in horizontal relationships, no relationship is deep until we come to that level of trust. Okay, God, it's not the answer I wanted. It's not the answer I like, but I trust you. I trust you because I know you. I trust you because I've had enough conversations with you, and I know that the people who came before me had these same conversations, and I know that in the end you did what you said you would do and that you did what was right. Habakkuk comes to the place in the conversation where he is able to finally worship. You see, chapter 3 is really a psalm. Chapter 3, he writes this prayer, this psalm, and at the end, like the psalms, it has a place for the choir master, some directions to the choir master. So Habakkuk likely was a worship leader. He was definitely a prophet. He would have been up here on the stage in the gatherings of the believers. He would have given faithfully. He would have tithed. He would have read and studied his scriptures. He would have fulfilled all of those membership vows that Sidney took this morning. Check, 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 check. But what do you think it was that led Habakkuk to this kind of a place of worship? I would say all of those spiritual disciplines and all of the membership vows are good. We should all do them. But it was this conversation with God. It was this processing through the angst. You even heard Cindy say it. That even with church attendance, the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of her and she, she described this feeling, right? Feeling that was so much more deep and rich and relational than religious activity. And that's where Habakkuk gets to through this conversation. Mike Sharp is a guy that comes to church at the center next door. We have an outreach worship service on Sunday night. And Mike Sharp and his wife, Becky, there, we were together this week and we were hanging out. He is going through um, very aggressive cancer treatment, two different types at the same time. There are days where he can't even get out of bed. Well, there was a day he could get out of bed and we kind of hung out a little bit. And Mike... Um, was just full of joy, right? I'm thinking about the struggle that I'm going through and how much difficulty I was having with that, and I'm spending time with Mike Sharp, and he is joyful. He's got this joy bu bubbling up inside him, and I wasn't even putting his joy with my struggle. I wasn't putting those two in our whole time together because I probably didn't want to yet. But we get done hanging out, and Mike looks back in through the window because he, he's always got this parting thing that he wants. Bob, you've talked to Mike. He's always got this last thing he wants to get in and say. He goes, you know, Mark, I thank God for this. The conversations I have with people in my treatment in the hospitals, it's, it's just I would have never had those. It's amazing. I get to witness and testify to my faith. 
And not only that, I have two friends who were avowed atheists for years and years and years who are now seeing me to react to what I'm going through, and they're telling me that they're praying for me. Previously atheists, now they're praying for me. Mark, do you think any of this would be happening if it weren't for the cancer? The cancer and the enemy thinks that they can take me down, but they can't. And I thought to myself, wow. Mike had gotten to that place that Habakkuk got to. And it's the same place that Jesus got to in the Garden of Gethsemane when the Son of Man, the Son of God, fully human and fully divine, was on the earth. He went through this exact same process. In the garden, he throws himself down on the ground and he cries out. What does he cry out? Well, earlier. (laughs) He does that at the end. Is there any other way, God, right? He's asking, God, is there any other way to accomplish the salvation of the world? Can we have this cup of suffering pass from me, Lord? Good question, right? Jesus wasn't afraid to bother that question. Then he's wrestling with God. It says that he was in so much angst that he was sweating drops of blood. He was there for hours while the disciples were asked to pray for him. And can you imagine the night before the cross how those minutes must have seemed like hours? He's waiting, he's watching, he's listening, and eventually he gets the answer from the Father. And then Kim, what does he say? (laughs) My will, but thy will be done. You see, guys, when we get to the end of a conversation like this with God, what we end up with aren't different results, but we end up with a different relationship. A different relationship of trust in God, of submission to his ways, is the only way to find the joy that God has for us. Let's look at the last few verses of Habakkuk. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon the heights. Did you hear those even those? Habakkuk got to where Jesus got, to where Mike Sharp got, to where I'm praying that I'll be able to get to in my processing through what I am with God. Even though, God, even though, what is it in your life, what is it in the world that has put this burden on your heart? What is it that you need to cry out to God about? What questions do you need to ask? You may not have the the schedule ability to get to a monastery, but what does it look like for you to find a place to wrestle and wait and watch on God? To make that kind of space to have this kind of talk with the Lord. So your response this week, I would just ask, are you living by faith? The righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Are you willing to wonder, to wrestle, to wait and worship on God this week? And then we only touch some of the highlights of this amazing book. Habakkuk has the ability to transform your conversation, your prayer life, and your dialogue with God. Read Habakkuk this week. You will not regret carving out time for that. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for this ancient prophet that speaks into our time and our day and our hearts and our lives. We thank you that we can open up the scriptures and that we can learn about who you are, about how you have designed us to be in relationship with you, how you invite us into that relationship. You make a way for us to know you, 
And as, as prone as we are to wander, you give us a way to come back and to come even deeper than we've ever been before with you. Help each of us to do that by your grace and with an eternal mindset looking toward the day that you will come back and make everything good and right. There will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. Lord, together here today, we put our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.